0: This is Daf Kafchet in Masechet Megillah. We are on Daf Kafsah Amud Bet. Nine lines from the bottom of the Amud, or three lines down from the widest lines. If you want to look at that way, where it says Zalfan Siman. Shalut David Rabbi Zakai. The students asked Rabbi Zakai, What merit did you have that you lived so long? Amalemi said to the them, For my entire life, Lo ishtanti. That's obviously the connection to the previous discussion. I never <laughs> went to the bathroom within four amot of where I prayed. Now this could again mean, like we said before, a distance, or it could mean that he waited before using the bathroom after, uh, after uh, praying. But the, uh, the way that the Tosfot interprets it is that we learned already of the importance of waiting before urinating after praying, so it must mean that even after he waited, he still moved away from that area uh, before he uh, before he would either urinate or he would pray. In other words, he would separate between the two activities, even when he had already waited in between them. I never or I never gave my friends a nickname, uh, even a nickname. As Tosfot says, that deloha Vignai, that isn't insulting, but just is making light of the person. I never assigned them a nickname. Uh, moreover, I never neglected Kiddush Yom, I never neglected to recite the Kidush of Shabbat. And uh, I had an elderly mother. Pam One time, she sold the cover on her head. She sold her own clothing. And in order to bring me wine. For kiddush, so that we could never miss any kiddush. Tanat stated in a when she died, she left him as an inheritance three hundred barrels of wine. When he died, he left three thousand barrels of wine for his children. One time, Rav was wearing as a belt. He was wearing like a. Uh, a type of a reed around his belt instead of a regular belt, and when he came before Av, Amalei Av said to him, "My hi, why are you wearing that?" Amalei lo kiddusha. I didn't have any wine for kiddush. Kiddush. So umishakante lahamyanev ataybe. So kiddusha. He said that I I basically had to um give my belt as a collateral so that I could get wine for kiddush because I didn't have any money on me or whatever. So I ended up swapping my uh, belt for the wine of kiddush. It's showing us the importance of having the uh, <coughs> wine of Kiddush, even if it requires substantial effort. So here he actually gave his belt away, either as a collateral or for payment. to got the wine. I said to him, May be Hashem's will that you should be covered with silk. In other words, I guess that it means that he detected from this. That he was, uh, you know, he wasn't in a good financial situation. If he had to trade his belt in order to get wine, so he said, maybe covered in silk, which is a sign, I guess, of of uh, luxury and wealth. It happened. When Rabba, the son of Rav meaning his own, his son, the son of the person who received the blessing, got married. So uh, it, it says that uh, in that case, it's saying that uh, Rav when his son got married, so he was a he was a short person. So it says, uh, so it says when his son got married, he was a small person. So Gana he was lying down on a uh, on a bed in the room, and nobody noticed him because he was so small. So what happened? His daughters and his daughters in law came in, and manai they all put their silk garments on him so that he was actually covered with silk to fulfill the blessing that he received. Shema Rav, Rav heard this, he was very upset, Amari said, why didn't you say, when I blessed you, so should be for the master. In other words, I blessed you that it should be covered in silk, it actually came true, you should have said, so too for you, and, and wished me the same, so that I could also have had such a blessing, but it's just fascinating and funny, the way that the blessing came true was sort of an accident that he... Uh, he was a small guy, and he was sleeping on the bed at at a wedding, and they covered him with silk. Shalutam v'ide b'torbi Elazar ben Shammai. They asked Rabbi Elazar ben Shammai. The students asked him, "Bamayach le'ami, what was the zechut that you had? What was the merit that you had that you lived so long?" Amar we said to them, "Mi'ahmalo asti to kavna le'beitak Nesed." I never used the synagogue as a shortcut to get somewhere. Lo pasati al a kadosh. I never walked over the heads of the Am Kadosh of the Jewish people. And she explains, So when people, the students would be sitting on the ground in the Beit Midrash, so if you walk by them, it's like you're walking over them. So he would always make sure to walk around or to get there early, so he wouldn't have to walk over their heads to get to where he was giving the class. Um, because that would be disrespectful to the Jewish people, well, and I never did Birkat Koanim without saying a Bacha beforehand. And Rashi explains that they have, you have to say a v'tzivanu, or in the case of the v'tzivanu, that they have to, I never said the Birkat Koanim without saying a blessing beforehand. So that was a great zachut that I had that I was very careful. Of course, the she ask, you know, why is that such a great zachut? That's something that every Kohen does and so on. That's a discussion that the Mfarshim wonder about. Uh, But basically he's saying that that was one of the merits he had that gave him a long life. That he was also always very careful with the blessing prior to the Berkat Konim. Shalur Talmidavet Rabbi Pareda. The students asked Rabbi Pareda, What did you do to merit such a long life? said to them, Nobody was ever before me in the Beit Midrash. I was always the first person in the Beit Midrash. And I never blessed before a coin. meaning if there was a coin present, I never would say the Berkat amazon." Um, if there was a Kohen there I would always give him Precedence over me And moreover I never ate from an animal Until all of the gifts That went to the Kohen Were separated from it And it was delivered to, given, uh, given over The different parts of the, the animal That have to be given To a Kohen as a gift That it's prohibited to eat from an animal before the gifts of meat that are supposed to be designated for the Kohen are separated. And also Rabbi Yitzchak said that anybody who eats from an animal that these these gifts were not separated from is like he's eating from tevel. He's eating from produce that didn't have separated from it, which is a very serious uh, prohibition. The halachah doesn't really follow that. The halacha doesn't follow the idea that we treat an animal that hasn't had the, the meat gifts separated from it like the way that we treat um, true, like the way that we treat grain that hasn't had the gift separated from it we don't have it doesn't have the same strict status however he was extra careful about it Velo kohen. he said that I never blessed before kohen. is that supposed to be something good? Rabbi Yochanan actually said that a Tamil Chacham that allows a Kohen to bless before him even a Kohen Gadol if the Kohen Gadol is an ignoramus then that Tamil Chacham who gave him kavod is liable for the death penalty now the Pasuk in uh, Mishle says, Anybody who hates me, meaning who hates wisdom, loves death. Don't read it as those who hate me, but those who cause others to hate me. In other words, if you give precedence and kavod to this ama'arids, to this ignorant Kohen, then you're teaching people to have disrespect for the Tamid-e-Chachamim. So how could he do that? He's talking about where the Tamir, where the Kohen was also a tamid e So since they were both Tamid-e-Chachamim, he gave precedence to the Kohen over himself. <laughs> the student says, What did you do to deserve such a long life? I never enjoyed or benefited in any way from the disgrace of my friends, I never went on my bed with the curse of my friends, we're going to see exactly what this means soon, Uh, I was very generous with my money, now we're going to go back and explain each one, what does it mean that I never took honor from the disgrace of my friends, like the story of Ravuna, one time he was um, carrying a farm implement on his, like a uh, on on his shoulder, and um, what happened was that Amar, so uh, Rav Chana Bar Rav, Hanilai, Rav came and he wanted to take it away from him and carry it himself instead of allowing him to carry it because he was trying to show respect, so he didn't want him to uh, carry this hoe over his shoulder. Um, and Amal Ira Gilat איתי אקווי אנא בזירותה He said to him, look. If, you're norm- if you normally carry farm implements like this Over your shoulder in your city, fine But if not, I don't want to gain any kavod Any honor from your disgrace What does it mean that I didn't go on my bed With the curse of my friend Like what to do Whenever he would go to bed He would say every night before he went to bed and In most uh, versions of uh, It has this uh, kind of an idea Forgiving anyone who bothered you that day I was very generous with my money The master said that Yov was very generous with his money. He would always leave extra money for the uh, uh, for the shopkeeper from his pocket. In other words, he never wanted to be on the end of receiving any extra change. So he would give extra to make sure that the other person received the extra rather than him. He'd rather he'd err on the side of caution that he, the other person, to the other person's advantage. Rabbi Akiva asked the great Rabbi Um what was it that uh, gave you the, the merit of having such a long life? He asked the same thing as all of these other um, students have been asking. And then what happened was, the attendants of Rabbi Nechuniah thought this was some kind of offensive thing, like he was questioning him, like, why'd you live so long? And so they came in, they started attacking Rabbi Akiva, taking it as an insult. So he, to get away from them, he climbed up on a tree and he was sitting at the top of the tree, and he said to him, Rabbi. So he's continuing to talk with his teacher from the treetop. It already says that you have to bring a sheep for the Korban to me, the daily Korban. Why does that say the word echad, one sheep? So Rabbi Nechonia then realized that Rabbi Akiva was not just a person bothering him, he was actually a rabbinical student because he was asking him questions about halacha. So he said, Leave him alone. And then he answered his question. What it means by echad is it should be the best of its flock that you should give as the Korban. Now he answered his question about what. Gave him the zakhut For a long life First of all I never took any gifts And I was never particular About my honor And I was also very generous With my money I didn't receive any gifts Just like the story About Rabbi Elazar Whenever he would receive gifts From the house of the Nasi He would never receive it And if they would invite him To a really he wouldn't go They said to him uh, he said to them, He would say to the people who sent him gifts, Don't you want me to live? Do you have a problem with me living? It says the person who hates gifts will live. Rabbi Zira also, When they would send him gifts, he wouldn't receive it. But when they invited him, he would go. It's not my benefit, it's actually theirs. They want me to come because it's an honor to them, so it's okay for me to go. But anything I would receive, I don't want to take. I didn't stand on my Uh, meaning I wasn't strict about the honor that I was entitled to. Anybody who passes over their Midot, in other words, anyone who lets go of things, Hashem uh, releases them from all of their sins, because it says Hashem carries sin and passes over sin, for whom does Hashem pass over the sin or carry the sin, for the person who passes over, who lets go of Things done wrong to him. In other words, since we are forgiving and we let things go, Hashem also lets go our transgressions. What gave you the merit to live such a long life? Amale said to him, Do you resent my life? What? Why are you asking? Amale, no. Rabbi. So I will will I It's Torah that I want to learn. said to "I never looked at the form of a wicked person." Because said, "Person should never look at the form of the appearance of a wicked person." As Elisha said to Achav, uh, to uh, uh, as Elisha said when he was coming to uh, uh, to Achav, if it were not for I'm sorry, Li Yehoram. If it were not for uh, Yahushat being here and uh, If I would look at you, I wouldn't even look at you if it were not for uh Yehoshaphat was here who's a tzaddik. So in other words we don't look at a wicked person. Um, if you look at a wicked person your eyes become dim because it says that Yitzchak got older and his eyes were dim because he would look at Yitzhak, the wicked one is that really the reason why Yitzchak lost his sight didn't we learn and actually we learned earlier in this Masechet that the curse of an ordinary person should not be light in your eyes and it was fulfilled in your eyes and her descendants, because he said, it will be for you a covering of the eyes, meaning that it's going to, you're going to have blindness in your family, covering of the eyes, and that was Yitzchak, right? They were both, in other words, the curse was there, but there was also the fact that he looked at Esav, and that caused him to lose his sight. it says, you should not lift up the, um the face of Rasha. Now they're taking your Se'ed Usually means to lift up, meaning to honor the face. But it's saying even to look upon his face is not good. When, uh, when he was about to die, when Heroshua Korcha was about to die, he asked him to bless, the rabbi asked him to give him a blessing. He said, may it be God's will that you reach half of my life, because apparently Rabbi Heroshua Korcha lived to be very old. Why not all of his life? What will the people coming after you do? They're going to be uh, shepherds of animals. In other words, you have to make way for the next generation to rise up and, uh, and follow your, pl- follow, take, you know, take your, take uh, your, uh, follow in your footsteps And take your position Otherwise there will be nothing Your whole life As long as you're alive One of them said The reason why I had a long life Was because I never looked at a non And the other one said I had a long life Or I was deserving of a long life because I never did any partnership with a non-Jew, of which of course was avoided because they didn't want the non-Jew to swear in the name of their God over any disputes. <laughs> the student says, What did you do to merit long life? I never got angry in my house. And I never walked in front of someone greater than me. And I never thought about in dirty places. I never walked for Amot without learning Torah, without wearing Tefillin. And I never slept. In the Beit Midrash, not a long sleep and not even a brief nap. I never celebrated when my friends had a downfall or had, or encountered a problem, and and uh, la and I never called my friend. And the Ambra B Chinato. What is the difference between these two things? Khanihatora she says if they made a negative name for my friend I didn't use it. That's what uh and the uh, second thing, khan is a filo to kinoshemisudaru balombs to Shendovi, even if it was a, uh, a name that was his family name that wasn't assigned to him, but it was his actual family name, I didn't use that either. And uh, the the, the uh, corrections on the side switch these and say Chato is actually the family name and Chachinato is the name that's given by friends. Either way, I never used a name that could be perceived as a... Um, as anything negative that would hurt the person's feelings and make them feel uncomfortable. The Mishnah says, we, Even though the Knesset has been destroyed, meaning it's no longer operating, we don't give eulogies inside. And we don't work on ropes inside, because it would be a big space inside that you could use for t- twisting ropes and stuff like that. Uh, and also... We don't uh, put traps for animals in there. And we don't put fruits to dry in its roof. And we still don't use it as a shortcut. Because it says, I will destroy your holy places. In other words, even though they are destroyed, they are still holy, and therefore we don't use them for the wrong things. If grass started to grow inside the Beit Knesset, we don't pull it out, so people will see it, and it will be distressed and sad about the destruction of the Bit Knesset, and maybe eventually that will inspire them to pray for it to be restored, and they'll work on fixing it up. Tanu the rabbis taught, we don't behave in a light-headed manner in the synagogue. We don't eat in there, and we don't drink in there. The end. The Otin Bam, and we don't adorn ourselves doing our makeup or uh, whatever it would be. uh uh, combing our hair there. We don't hang out in them just for social things. We don't go inside for protection from the sun when it's hot or from the rain when it's raining. We also do not deliver eulogies in the synagogue of al ben, ben, but we read Torah in there and and we learn Torah And if there is a community, a large communal funeral we have, the eulogy is there when is this and that's when they're operative when they're destroyed we just leave them we just, and we allow grass to grow in this synagogue that's been destroyed we don't pull it out because we want people to see it and be distraught and pray for it to be rebuilt what is Rabbi Yehuda talking about what Rabbi Yehuda talks about has nothing to do with what the Tanakh Kamah talked about the Tanakh Kamah talked about doing all these things to respect the Bet Knesset along comes Rabbi Yehuda and he says oh we should let grass grow in there what, what are you talking about the, there's a, a line missing in the Bible. because it said you should sweep the floor of the Bitcoin, said, and you should put water they would put water to make the dust settle and so that things wouldn't grow on the ground so grass wouldn't grow when is it true that we should make sure grass doesn't grow on the grounds of the synagogue that's only when they're functional but when they're destroyed we leave it so, so it will come up and when the, if grass comes up we don't pull it out so people will be sad the synagogues in Babel are made on a condition that we should be allowed to do mundane things. in them. But even so, we don't engage in light-hearted, frivolous activities. Even though we put a condition that we're allowed to do things like giving eulogies, and things like that. what would frivolous things be? Doing business calculations and things of that nature, we don't allow in the synagogues, even though they're built on a condition to... Uh, uh, to uh, make it uh, more lenient in how we use them, uh, any synagogue that they make business calculations in, they're going to ha- be storing dead bodies in it. Really, they're going to store dead bodies in it. We're talking about You're saying that there's a, that's what that's what's going to happen. No, elaliso. What it means is, she says, as a punishment. It doesn't mean that it's an obligation. Oh, no, because you uh, did business calculations in the synagogue, now you should, uh, you should also use it as a morgue. What it means is that because they, were, they took the synagogue lightly, they treated, didn't treat it with respect. So, they, um, so therefore, they, um, they uh, are going to have people die that don't have anyone to bury them. In other words, that's the punishment that would befall them. Because of that. Now the Tosafod here says that uh, this idea of making the Bet Knesset on a Tanai, Rashi seems to say that it's referring to a Bet Knesset that's functioning normally. Tzosephod seems to say that it's talking about a, a Bet Knesset that, is, um, that was already uh, in, not in use and was destroyed or was uh, abandoned. And that's where it's saying that you can make a condition that after the abandonment, the kidusha will not continue. In any case, the Gemara goes on. We don't groom ourselves in the bit. Knesset, However, the scholars of Torah and their students are allowed to comb their hair and stuff like that. What's the reason, says Why is the Beit Midrash called the house of the rabbis? Because it should be like their home. Since they spend all their time there, they should also be allowed to groom themselves and comb their hair and stuff like that in the bit. Midrash Or in the Beit Knesset. You shouldn't go in To the synagogue To save yourself From the hot sun Or from the rain It shouldn't be used for that one time, they were asking questions from Rava, and all of a sudden the rain started pouring down. They went into the synagogue. They said, "Hi, the They said, "You should know the reason that we came into the synagogue. It wasn't because we're using the synagogue as a means to protect our physical body from the rain. It's because learning requires a clarity of mind, like a day with the north wind. In other words, we only if it." We're not for the fact that we're involved in learning Torah and we needed the synagogue environment to allow us to continue learning Torah. We would not have come in just to save ourselves from the rain because you're not allowed to go in just to save yourself from the rain. <repanic> he said, "What should a person do if he needs to call somebody who's in the synagogue to come out? He's not allowed to go into the synagogue for no purpose. So what should he do? If he's somebody who's a scholar, so chata when he goes in the synagogue and to call the person, he should also say a halacha. If he knows mishnayot, he should say mishnayot. If he knows Tanach, he should say a pasuk. If not." Then if he sees a child learning, he should say, tell me your pasuk. Alternatively, he should just stay there for a short while and then get up because sitting in the synagogue itself is a mitzvah. To be in the house of Hashem is a mitzvah. That way he doesn't just go into the synagogue to call somebody for a purely practical reason, but he goes in with some mitzvah accomplished as a result. What's considered to be, because we said, um, you're allowed to have a communal eulogy, just not an individual. So, what's the <laughs> said like a. Any funeral where Rav Sheshit is there. Rav Shesha said, no, no, no. A funeral that has Rav Sheshit in attendance. Rav Ram gave the eulogies for his daughter-in-law in in the synagogue. Because of my honor, and also of the deceased, everyone's going to come. Rabbi Zerah once eulogized one of the rabbis who died. And he did the eulogy in the Beit Knesset. Either they'll come because of me, because I'm the one eulogizing, Oh, or, or because of him, the the person who died. Everybody, then everyone will come. So it's a communal type of So it's a communal type of a funeral eulogized a certain rabbinical student who was known in Eretz Yisrael that he was in the 24th row of students studying Halakha, meaning he was the back of the class, he was the bottom of the class. He said, whoa, Is the Eretz Yisrael that it lost such a great man. Another case where a person studied halachot and the sifra, which is the midrash halacha, um, of, uh, vayikra and the sifri, which is on the midbar and varim and the tosefta. He knew all of the, these texts of Torah Sheba Peh, and he died. Atuva, Mule Rav Nachman, they said to Rav Nachman, they speday, please, Please give him a eulogy. Amar they said, what can I say? Hey, Tana, the male, What a basket full of books is lost. Meaning, just because he knows a lot of information doesn't mean he's somebody worthy of a eulogy, of such a great eulogy, right? So look at the difference. Look at the difference. The great people, the supposedly harsh, strong people like Resh Lakish of Eretz Yisrael, that he was so strict that he wouldn't talk to anybody. He was very aloof. And yet, when somebody was in the back of the class died, he gave him this big eulogy. On the other hand, Rav Nachman, who was supposed to be meachasidim, somebody who had great fear of God and great chesed, and yet when somebody died who memorized uh, the Mishnayot and the Tot and all of the Midrashay Lacha, because he didn't have a deep understanding, he said, what am I going to say? A basket of books has been taken, what am I, what am I going to say? So you see the difference between them. Tanah Natam says in the Mishnah, that's in Pirkei Somebody who uses the crown of Torah is going to pass away. And it says Tanei, but on the side it says it shouldn't say Tanei, but it should say Amar Resh Lakish. Resh Lakish said that, uh, this is somebody who uses someone who studied halachot. In other words, you should not use someone who learned halachot, uh, to serve you. Um, and the, uh, the Bach here adds, adds, va'amar ula. And the words, should be erased, he says. It's okay, you can have somebody serve you if they learned four Siddarim, four of the orders of Mishnah. But you shouldn't um, use somebody to serve you who taught for, in other words, teaching is higher then learning. So even if you're going to make a, 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 a justification for allowing someone who learned to serve you, you shouldn't allow someone who teaches. He had the like the story of Lachish, He was walking on the way. He came into a stream of water or puddles of water. A certain person came. He picked him up and he's carrying Reish Lakish to go over the water. And he was passing him over. So Lakish said to the person who's carrying him, Have you read Tanakh? Yes. Tanita, have you learned to Rosh Tanina, Yes. I learned four of the orders of Mishnah He told Rish Lakish You have hewn four mountains for yourself Meaning you know four of the orders of the Mishnah And you're carrying Rish Lakish The son of Lakish on your back You should throw the son of Lakish into the water Amar le, said to Rish "Shni chalid de'ash merig He said, "I'm happy to serve the master." Yachis, so Rish Lakhi said, "Fine." If so, gemoru mini hamilta. I learned one thing from me. Then Rabbi Zerah, then Rabbi said, "Benot Yisrael and Echmiel Altsman, that the the daughters of Israel were strict with themselves. Shafilu odti baadam ke khar dal. That even if they see a drop of blood like a mustard seed, Yoshivot alav shirani that they sit for it seven nikkim, as we've learned many many times in the past, according to the Torah, The first time a woman sees blood during a, a particular month, so she has seven days of nida, and then she's finished. And if she sees blood in the ensuing eleven days, uh, three days in a row, so now she becomes a zava, and as uh, a zavak she needs three, she needs seven clean days. Nowadays, the we we accepted the practice, and this is what Rabbi Resh Lakish is talking about: that the women accepted the practice. That even if they see one drop of blood, they go to the strictest level of a full week of shiva nikiim, seven clean days, and uh, and that's what he taught him. Tanar devey Eliyahu, the shiva Eliyahu taught kolash nalechot. Anybody who learns halachot now, we're used to it saying. Yom every day. In the text of the Gemara here it says, Anybody who learns halachot, he is promised that he's going to enter the world to come. Now, literally, it's talking about Hashem, and it's saying the ways of the world belong to Hashem, but it's saying halachot. Don't read it as halichot, but halachot, meaning a person who has halachot, olam though, he will have olam haba, he will have the next world. Now, on the side, it has the version that we have, bechol yom, in Masachet Nidad has, like what we are used to uh, reading. And, uh, and that concept is that the person is in continual process of growing, learning halachot every day, trying to become better, therefore they have a secure position in olam haba.